Well, good evening. I like this down here better. That's a little more, less formal, a little more comfortable, kind of like a family right here, so we can spend some time on the Word together. Uh, my name is Mike Harris. Uh, I'm one of the elders here. We have uh, six or so elders, and uh, it's been a privilege for me to spend uh, a couple of years with those guys. They really uh, are an incredible group of men. They they love the Lord, and they uh, they love this body. We meet uh, twice a month, and every other month we uh, we are praying. We pray for you guys. We pray for each other. We pray for the body. We pray for ministries. And uh, it's been such an exciting thing to be a part of as we've gotten to know and hear stories about what God's doing in this place. And then, uh, you know, it's a pretty big church, and there's just amazing things happening. You guys are doing a lot. And so uh, a lot of transition in this body, a lot of very interesting people and interesting ministries going on. And so uh, it's been a real privilege to do that. And we would solicit your prayers because we are looking forward to 2015, a lot of big things ahead, a lot of challenges, uh, a lot of opportunities, and so we pray for wisdom as we lead, and uh, we look forward to incredible things happening. Uh, We have, uh, I'm married to Carol, sitting right there, 36 years. Um, We have four kids that are uh, raised and uh, and out, married off, and uh, uh, last year we graduated our youngest daughter and uh and she got married and that, that's a big day for after four kids you know i mean hallelujah you know that's <laughs> it's uh that phase of parenting is over and we can uh it gets a little simpler really does so it's been a lot of fun uh, both of us were raised in in christian homes but we look back at uh a time in the late 70s where we accepted christ as our personal savior and that happened as a a direct intention of a group of folks uh, in in Dallas. Uh, I was a dental student. I'm a dentist, and I was a dental student at Baylor, and uh, one of the professors uh, named Job and his wife, Jenity, invited us into their home and uh, shared. We we studied the Bible together. We ate their food. Uh, Jenity would call up Carol and uh, take her out and... uh, and next thing you know, we're just growing like crazy, and it's just a great memorable time. And maybe you've got a time like that where you came to Christ later, or you came to Christ and then later you started growing. You know, certain experiences happen. But uh, we're thankful for uh, for Job and Jenity. Uh, we graduated and we moved to Temple. We were there for 30 years. We went to Temple Bible Church, which is kind of the mothership of this church. Uh, that was the they uh, planted this church seven years ago. If you're new here. It's a big old church and temple, and I uh, practice there. But slowly, uh, God is kind of moving the Harrises to Colleen. And uh, uh, I sold my business in Colleen, and now I'm practicing here. Uh, we moved two months ago, and now we have a house here. And so we're, we're kind of all in in Colleen now. And uh, we, we love Colleen. Uh, my son-in-law gave me this shirt. My son-in-law, Stephen Watson, y'all might know him. I heart Colleen. You seen this? We really, we do love Colleen. And uh, we love the people we work with. We love uh, our, uh, our neighborhood. Uh, mostly, we, we love this place. You know, we probably have 800 or so, I don't know how many people that come here, but a lot 
and represent really the better part of Colleen, and, and we love this place. We love you guys, and uh, you've ministered to us. You've shared your experiences with us. We've been blessed and encouraged, and, and uh, it's been a real joy to be a part of us. So we love this place, so we, we love Colleen. Isn't that cool? We uh, probably in no small part uh, because of these guys. These guys live here in Colleen. This is our grandkids. This is uh, Leah Providence, just born two weeks ago. And so this was a great Christmas for us, you can imagine. And they live close. And so uh, that's another reason we love Colleen, because they're here. But uh, sweet girl. But we're going to talk about how to change. And I would, I would just ask you, as we think about it, do you love Colleen? I mean, you're here, right? You live here. Copper's Cove, Harker Heights, all kinds of stuff. But do you love this place? Do you? Can you wear this shirt to H-E-B? And uh, when people look at you funny, you say, I do. I love this place. Uh, well, let's talk about it. I got a lot of funny looks this morning when they go, no, I don't love this place. Uh, a lot of people say that, but that's, uh, let's talk about it. I'm not sure that that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> well, this is New Year's Eve, and we're talking about how to change. It's the topic tonight, and it's uh, it's a time for re- uh, New Year's resolutions, you know, and I know you're, you may be like me, but I make New Year's resolutions, and the last week or so I've been eating a lot, you know, watching TV, laying around, gain probably, I don't know how much, and I've set up my resolutions. We have, uh, the, this is the, the list, I think, in, on the internet, kind of the most common ones, and, and so I've got my list, and uh, I know that uh, I'd rejoined at the gym, here it is. This is what it looks like next week, you know, packed and uh, joined at Planet Fitness. I've re-upped here. I may see you there. Uh, of course, a couple weeks later, there it is. <laughs> and that's, that's what happens to most of my New Year's resolutions. You know, they, they, uh, they kind of are quickly dispelled, and, and it's, uh, there's reasons for that. And, you know, all of us probably have areas that we'd like to change, and I know, I know I do. And some of us, when we get around, and I talk, I spend time with some guys during the week, and we talk, and and we all have areas we'd like to change. And sometimes when you really start talking seriously, there's serious things going on that I really don't like about myself. I'm not happy about, and I, I want to change. And we've talked about, in my group, uh, a couple of different kinds of change. We have uh, external change, which is kind of what we just saw, where, you know, you change the outside, you change the outside, and you discipline yourself, you, you zero in, you make up your mind, and you change, I'm going to change, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to do this, and all of a sudden, you know, you bend, and next thing you know, zip back to the same place. It's external change, and it's usually temporary change, and it's kind of that frustrating change, and I, I, uh, uh, here's an example of my temporary change. This is what I really want, you know, I really want those abs. I want, I want to be in shape. I know it's good for me. Uh, I know that's really what I want, but you know, just between the two, since it's a small group, we can talk. Uh, what I love what I really love is that <laughs> I love waffle fries. I love waffle fries. And I don't just like them. I love them. I dream about them. And I, I, I don't discriminate. I, uh, I, I like uh, Five Guys has good fries. And uh, Freddy's, those little tiny fries, man, I could eat those all day long. But, uh, but the problem is, is I love this more then I love the abs, really, when it gets right down to it. So usually this kind of eventually starts crowding out the abs as the years go by. So 
<coughs> the other kind of fries, uh, fries, see, I'm already fixated on fries. The other kind of change is transformational change. You know, that's, that's the change that happens on the inside, and, and then the outside behavior begins to reflect what's going on on the inside. And that's really a function of loving something more than I loved previously. And uh, as a result, I have internal change, and the outside catches up with it. Uh, I didn't make this up. Thomas Chalmers, an author in the 1800s, wrote a book called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection, uh, where he argues that heart change cannot happen apart from the expulsive power of new affection. Heart change cannot happen apart from the expulsive power of a new affection. We must love something more than what we loved previously. That's the only way we're really going to see transformational long-term change. You agree? You kind of with me on that? So let's talk about that. We're going to look at this in, uh, as, as in, in Titus chapter 3. And I didn't get the page number of that. Underneath the, the, uh, the chairs there are some Bibles. And you can turn to Titus chapter 3. Verses 1 through 7. And if you're paying attention, you notice that Dave, our pastor, preached this same passage a few weeks ago. And I really enjoyed that message because I love this passage. And the truth is, the cool thing about Scripture is really this is such a meaty little piece of Scripture that you could probably preach something on this for the next six months and never really overlap. And that's what we do in our groups. A lot of times we're talking about stuff, and it's just new every time we open the Bible. And I love this passage, so we're going to look at this again. Chapter 3, Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Remind them to be subject to their rulers. He's talking, Paul is reminding Titus, to authorities to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. But, big transition, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, the renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Isn't that amazing passage? Let's pray together and see if God would quicken our hearts. Thank you, Father, for this passage. Thank you for this this church, this body, this season. We pray that you would open your word to us tonight and that you would share and impress on us things that are on your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we look at this passage, we see three things that we'll talk about. One is a call to change. Two is a how to change. And three is the fruit of transformational change. So that's easy. Call to change, how to change, and the fruit of transformational change. So let's, let's dig in and see what we see. First, the call to change. Well, Paul's reminding Titus 
to preach. He's preaching to Christians. He's preaching to believers and reminding them of their new calling and what it looks like. I guess maybe it's still new in their minds and that he's, he's reminding them and he's telling Titus, remind him and remind him and remind him again of what, what this looks like to be a new person in Christ. Uh, what it looks like to be a new man. In other scriptures and other books, he, he contrasts new man, which is a description of people that, have, uh, that are Christians, that have believed in Jesus. And then we have the old man, which is our life before. And so we're contrasting the new man and the old man. So he's talking to folks, and he's reminding of what, what we're looking like. And it's just over and over throughout the book of Titus. For example, in chapter 2, just as a sample here, he's talking to uh, Titus, and he says, Older men are to be temperate, dignified, and sensible. He's talking to older men. Young older women are to be reverent in their behavior and not malicious gossips. Younger women are to love their husbands and their children. Uh, younger men are to be sensible and being a good example. So he's reminding them, this is what you guys should be looking like. Just, just keep this vision in front of you. And, and he's calling them to transformation. He's calling them to change, right? Um, oh, in verse, in verse 11 in chapter 2, he goes, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously and godly in this present age looking for the blessed hope and for the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself jesus christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession so he's he's cleansing us purifying redeeming us from every lawless deeds he's, he's redeeming us from lawless deeds so that he can purify for himself a people of his own possession believers are to be his own possession and after that following that they would be zealous for good deeds so jesus is in the process of transforming us into his own possession it's kind of a cool picture i think second corinthians 5 and this, really, we could talk about this all night, but he says we're to be ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us. He says uh, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he's in the process of, trans of transforming us into being his reflections of his, ambassadors of his, of, of his righteousness. So he's calling them to the process of change, and he's got to call them to it because we have vivid memories of the old man. I know I do. still have flesh. I still have the same uh, body and the same memory uh, that I've had all along, and I have a, a vivid memory of the way we used to be before we met the Martins, before we met the Lord. And so Paul is reminding them, Remember how you used to be, okay? Remember how you used to be. We're not that way anymore. Don't think this way. Think this way. So he's reminding them because we have memories of the old man. And uh, the old man, he's, he's described clearly the new man, but he's got the old man that he kind of keeps reminding us of. Not just in this passage, but really in several places. And the problem with the old man is, well, he's got a lot of issues, but at the center is his God. The center of the old man is his God, and that is himself, right? 
I know uh, I, I have memories of, uh, of defaulting to this right here. And before Christ, it seems like everything in the world was filtered through what's in it for me. Because I was the center of my universe, and I saw people, and I saw things, how it affects me. And I was the, the center of my universe. And it says, here's a description. Don't forget how you were. You were foolish. Uh, you were disobedient. I had my own rules. There was no other God. It was what was right in my own eyes. I was disobedient, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. I, I kind of did what I thought would bring me happiness and, and success and significance, and they always disappointed. Uh, but I was given to that, spending our life in malice, envy. The only way we know how significant we would be is how we compare ourselves to others. So we would become envious, and, and we would, uh, if somebody was more successful, we'd be hateful to them. And so there's this, this, this issue, this cocoon of self-indulgence that describes people who don't know the Savior, really. And so he's reminding him, you used to think this way, but, he says, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Is that awesome? This is how we were, but remember, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. We, he did not save us based on, on what we have done and what we have performed and how good we have gotten, how close we have gotten to God, uh, how we have uh, obeyed and, uh, and the good things we have done. Ephesians uh, chapter 2 is one of my favorite chapters. It talks about that uh, how we used to be. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. But God, being rich in his mercy and his great love, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive with Christ. By grace we were saved. We were dead, dormant. Yet, he took the initiative. He saved us. Not on the basis of our righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing and regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit from whom he poured out richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. See, the problem with our old man here was not so much of our behaviors at the time, but it's the fact that we are alienated from God. We are separated from our God. This was our problem here. And try as we may to, to gain approval by God and try as we may to to do good things and to, to become significant, we were still in this state of alienation. But God saved us. We were dead. God took the initiative to make a provision for our problem and our need. Is that amazing? This is, uh, this is good news for the uh, old man. It's good news for us. We are justified by his grace, not by our works. It's just amazing. Justification is a, is a word that we use, that we've seen a lot in the book of Galatians, where uh, justification in its simplest form is the record of merit that opens doors. Uh, when we apply for a job, our, our record of merit is our resume that we submit. And we say, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this, we deserve this. This is my justification for this job. Or maybe uh, in school we have 
a college transcript, which is a record of our merit. It's a record of what we've done that says we've done this, we've done this, we've performed this, we've, we've measured up, and we deserve graduation. We are justified by our performance and our, and our works. Spiritually, we are justified not by any of those things, but by his grace. This is good news. This is the gospel of salvation. This is, this is big. We had a need, and he made a provision for our need. Our need was alienation from God. And he made a provision for that need, which is he took the initiative and provided his son Jesus to serve as a payment for the sin that we had. By faith, we trust in his provision. We had a need, he makes a provision. By faith, I trust in his provision. In my awareness, I confess and I repent of my own efforts to reach and to fulfill the need. And I pray that in the midst of this truth, that the Holy Spirit of God would be poured out richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, and there would become a change in my heart based on this new truth. That's the mechanism of salvation. It's the mechanism of transformation. And it's, a, it's the way that the Holy Spirit of God transforms us from the inside out to make us a people for his own possession. Based on this truth, our only response because of what he had done is, is we grow deeper and deeper in love with the Father who has taken the initiative and done all as he has done for us. And our desire and our passion becomes, based on what he's done, to be transformed on the outside to measure up on who he has made us to be on the inside. So this is our calling to change. We want to change because we love him so much. We delight in him. He has done everything for us. We were dead and he made us alive. He fills us with his spirit and we love him for that. And because of that, we want to be changed. We want to, we want to look like him on the outside. So let's talk about how to change. To begin with, the foundation for the process of transformation is based on this new affection that we've just described. As we grow in our knowledge of who he is and what he's done, our love for him grows and becomes the expulsive force that roots out those things that we loved before. So we grow in our love and appreciation as we grow in our knowledge and understanding of who he is. And you would think that somebody who's been a believer for years and years would love him more because they know more about him. They, they understand him, and they're just more and more grateful. And that's, the, that's our challenge, is to, is to know our Savior, know the Father more. And this happens, practically speaking, in, in certain environments, predictably. Uh, one is what we're doing here, where we gather corporately, we hear the word taught, we learn, wow, that's what God is about. Uh, uh, we, we study the word on our own. We get the word out. We have high value for the truth of God's word and how it transforms and how it tells us about what is he like, how does he think. Chances are, if we don't get in the word, we're, we're using some other description of who God is. It's probably not true. So we have to get in the word, and we, we look, and we see, and we learn, and we grow. And we also 
have great value for what happens in community and relationships. Because in those relationships, we, we learn from how God teaches other people, and we give them permission to speak into our lives and hold us accountable and to, to share with and to be a part of. So we're, we're studying the Word in the context of relationships. And it's in that <coughs> soup, it's in that environment that we learn of our need. It's in that environment we learn of His provision for our need. And it's in that environment that we, we process and we, we repent and we pray for the Holy Spirit to come in and transform us. And we are transformed day by day, week by week, and year by year, more to look like him. So we want to do that. But it's critical. These environments are very critical. Um, let's talk about an example maybe to, uh, to see how this looks, practically speaking. It's a personal example. Uh, at least with a group of guys that I meet with, we found out that that uh, a lot of guys, probably nobody here, have a real need for approval of men. They live for the approval of men. And uh, it started, I don't know why we're that way, but we, it started probably right there. Remember that? You know what that is? That's a junior high. Probably started back in junior high. Remember, you came out early in junior high. You're a little nervous about being there, and and you've got your tray coming out in the lunchroom, and you got your milk, and you got your your bowl of ice cream there, and you're praying as you walk out that somebody is going to invite you to sit with them, right? And you're really praying that if you do sit with somebody, that uh, that maybe they won't laugh at you, they'll accept you, that you'll be accepted by the cool crowd, and you would do anything to avoid humiliation and rejection, right? I mean, that's, that's where it started maybe for me. When I see the lunch table, I can't sit at a lunch table anymore. I'll just turn it off. I won't think about it. But those skills were honed in high school and, uh, and in college, even worse. And, and so really, here we are in the work world, and here we go. We, we're living with this undertone of a need for approval. We pick our career sometimes for that that we will get approval. We, we pick our, the cars we drive. We pick the, the, uh, the houses and the neighborhoods we live in so that we can have the approval of significant people. You know, in the church context, uh, people lead ministries a lot of times, really motivated by a need for approval of significant people. And that's kind of a sad thing. But, you know, here we are. We bring that. You move to... Colleen, and you go to this church, and and you're in a Bible study, and you study, and you read in Ephesians 1, you're studying it, and you look at it, and you go, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow, he's blessed me with every spiritual blessing, just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. He chose me before the foundation of the world? Wow, that's... That's amazing. Uh, in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons. He has adopted me. He has gone through the nursery, a spiritual nursery, and he's selected. There's Mike Harris. I select him, and I adopt him. I give him my name, and I give him my inheritance. He moves into my house. He's mine. He's adopted. In him, we have redemption through his blood. He has redeemed me. He's... He's forgiven me. He's paid the price for me through the forgiveness of our trespasses. He's forgiven my sins. So he's, 
He's forgiven my sin in the past. He's forgiven my sin present and in the future. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. He made known to me the mysteries of his will. He gave me his inheritance. And he sealed me with the Holy Spirit. It's a tremendous picture, isn't it? And you think, and, and that Holy Spirit seals us, and, and it goes on to say that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. We're sealed by the God of creation. We cannot get unsealed. So therefore, when I think about it, I have no need to feel insecure or to seek the approval of others. I mean, if God himself, the creator of the universe, approves of me and accepts me, what do I care about what men think, right? To be insecure and fearful is inconsistent with who he has made me to be. So I have a need. I have a need for approval. God makes a provision for that need. And that is that he has approved and has adopted me as his child. And he approves of me no matter what. By faith, based on this truth, I place my trust in and my belief in his provision instead of what i've tried myself i've tried to gain approval myself and i repent and i confess that and i trust in his provision for my approval and i pray that the holy spirit would be poured out like it says here poured out richly through jesus christ and he would begin to do a change in me that would begin to reflect on the outside what he has made me to be on the inside. We're in the process of transformation. We we grow in transformation as we grow in our understanding of who he is, as we spend time in his word, as we spend time in community. And this is just one of hundreds of issues that we are trying our own selves, but he has made a provision for our need. So the gospel of salvation is the same as the gospel of growth and and sanctification. It's the same process. We grow in our understanding of him. We love him. We learn about him. We have a need. He has a provision for that need. And we place our trust in that provision, and he begins to make a change in our hearts. And we grow. So I'll take a little break here, and I'll say, how are you doing in those areas? Are you a person of the word? Are you spending time in God's word? So that's a yes, I am, or a no. I know a lot of my guys will say, you know, honestly, I'm not for do. I never spend time in the Word, um, and they'll say, well, you know, I'm so busy, and I've been bopping around from assignment to assignment, different cities, and I just, I don't have very good relationships. I'm not really accountable to anybody. I'm not growing with anybody. Nobody speaks into my life, and that's just, this is an issue, is it not? Uh, if we're not doing those things, uh, we're at risk of probably not changing, not growing. Not to mention being at risk of just getting beat up as life does its thing to us. We are made to live in community. We're made to not be Lone Ranger Christians. We're made to spend time in his word in the context of relationships. And so maybe 2015 would be a good time for us to kind of put a stake in the ground and say, this is a year. I want to do that. Amen. Are we together on that? So we've seen the call to change and we've seen the process of change and let's talk about the fruit of transformational change. So we could be anywhere right now, but we're here in uh, Colleen, Texas. 
2015's on us, and uh, we're here. And as a disciple of Jesus, we've seen who we are. We've seen what he's done. We've seen that we want to grow deeper in love with him. And we've seen also that he, he's given us a mission. And the truth is, is that he loves Colleen, Coppers Cove. He loves Bell County. He loves Texas. He loves this nation. And he loves the world. He really does. He, he, uh, he could wear this T-shirt. He says, I love Colleen. Our father loves Colleen. We love our father. Therefore, we love Colleen, right? If we don't love Colleen, we've got a problem further up that sentence, right? Uh, and I think he has a really cool strategy of We've seen that, uh, that he has made us the righteousness of Christ, and he's given us a ministry of reconciliation, it says in 2 Corinthians. He gives us a ministry to reconcile this lost and dying world to himself by using uh, broken people like us. Uh, we're not perfect, and we know that, but we, he has placed us, and he's in the process of transforming us, and he's placed us here. He's placed you in this school system over here. He's placed you... And this uh, over there on post, over there on post, and a different place on post. And he's placed you in the bank, and he's placed you over here in the landfill, and he's placed all of his disciples in these different places in the community so that in the process of transformation that the world could see us and get a glimpse of what he looks like. That's his strategy. That's how he does his business is by using... Broken people like us. He says in Matthew 5, he says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. He's put us out in the community to live amongst the folks so they can see us. And, and when we blow it, when we blow it, and we know we blow it, we blow it in front of them and we respond uh, with repentance, we respond with admission of our problem. We, we are honest with people. We just let them see us like we are. We let them see our families, see our kids, uh, proclaim the glories of God of what he's done in our lives, and we just live in front of people. And the Holy Spirit quickens people's hearts and draws them to himself. Um, so what does this look like? Let's, let's talk about it practically. When we leave here, tonight maybe starting tomorrow uh, we see people differently than we did before uh, we don't see people really on how they affect us and how they are good or annoy us or encourage us we don't see them that way we see them like he sees them we see them uh, with his eyes we uh, we speak with his voice we speak his words of encouragement affirmation uh, we listen, we take time, we listen with his ears, and with his hands we serve. And most importantly, we just love people where they're at, just like he did. He loved us where we were at, not because we deserved his love, not because we finally merited his love. He loved us right where we were, and that's what he's asking us to do. You just love those people around you just like they are. They don't have to change. They don't have to conform to your beliefs. They don't even have to agree with you. You just love them 
just like they are, just like I loved you. I know uh, as I look back and I remember Job and Genity, uh as they first met us, Carol and I were 24-year-olds, and honestly, we were not very lovable. Um, we knew it all. We were know-it-alls. Uh, probably had bad language sometimes, incredibly selfish, thinking of ourselves all the time. Uh, as I look back, I'm kind of embarrassed, but I, I can see myself as being really annoying to this dental professor of mine. You know, I'm thinking, how annoying. But, you know, he looked past that. He looked past our annoying behaviors and our selfishness and our crazy habits, and he loved us. He had us into his home. Uh, he introduced us to his kids. He fed us his food. And I am just amazed of how... and was just a matter of weeks and months before it was it was irresistible the love that he had for us and the, and that within that community we wanted to know about the God of Job and Genity. We were drawn to that. We, we we couldn't stop ourselves. We couldn't help ourselves and we we wanted to know him and we've continued to know him. Our prayer is is that as a body here at GBC as a family, in your workplace, around your neighborhood, that we would be known as, uh, as real disciples of Jesus that love people, that uh, care for people, that serve people. And then we go out in this community and they, we will make a difference uh, proclaiming the real gospel, not a gospel of performance, but a gospel of a God that loves these folks that he's placed us into. You know, it could be that, uh, that maybe in, this, uh, in the room we've got guys who maybe are still alienated from God. You know, I know this morning I talked to a few that are still alienated. And, uh, you know, deep down in your heart, you know, I've tried some stuff. I've been there, but I, I'm feeling this voice in my head that there's more, and I want to know more about this. And uh, I would presume, and I'm going to challenge you, that that's the God of the universe speaking to your heart, and I would encourage you to, to answer that, to listen, and continue to search for that. We have a need, and he has made a provision for our separation, and his son Jesus, and the forgiveness of our sin, and he fills us with his righteousness, and he makes us new, and he restores that relationship with our Father. That's what's before you. I, I'm not a preacher. Uh, I'm just like you. We're just worker bees. But we believe that that is true. It is true. It's right. It's the real deal. It's what everybody's searching for out there, and we have the answer to what they're looking for. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we go forth. It's 2015, and let's, uh, let's move forward as a body and pray that uh, as a result of our time together that we will love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind with all of our strength. That's our passion. That's our mission, is to know him more. As we do that, he transforms us so that we will love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the great commandment, isn't it? That's what Jesus said all the way through the gospel. Love the Lord, love others. That's our calling. Let's stand together and let's uh, pray that God would submit this into our hearts.
then we'll uh, do it. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for what you've done. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead. We were dormant, and you loved us so much. You took initiative. You bridged the gap. You made a provision to make us alive in you and to allow us to have a relationship with our creator. Father, we love you for that. We are amazed by that. We worship you for that. And we'll worship you for all eternity for how we learn more and more about that. And we pray, Father, that as a result of that, that you would uh, stir in our hearts and you would create in us a change the way we used to be, that we could become like you as your Holy Spirit fills us up and that we would be like you and that you would use us, that we'd be useful ambassadors to a lost and dying world here in Colleen and Coppers Cove and West Bell County. Pray folks would see us, see how we're real and uh, see the real us and to be drawn to you and give great glory to the God of the folks at this church. So, Father, this is 2015. I pray that you'll use us. Pray for this body, that we would be uh, effective this year. And we pray all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen.